Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. We're carrying on our Freedom Series this morning and my um, message is transformational power. And uh, I've spoken to so many of you in this, during this series and so many of you are loving this series. So many of, of you have come up to me and said, every message has changed me. Every message has impacted me so much. I too have loved this series. I, um, I have loved this series and and we sit, we listen to the messages and definitely, you know, it's one thing to sit and hear, but it's a completely different thing to pursue. And we sit here together and, you know, there is this atmosphere of freedom and the Holy Spirit desperately wanting to be pursued. Since this series has started, I, um, I haven't been able to stop praying. When the series started, I remember uh, probably in the probably the week leading up to it, the Holy Spirit woke me up at about three o'clock in the morning. And you know when the Holy Spirit is saying to you, pray and you think, I'll do it under my duvet. <laughs> and I thought to myself, okay, I'll get up. But, and I got up. And then after that, I was getting up and I just kept on, I, I would wake up in the middle of the night and I wasn't questioning whether I should stay in my bed or not. I was getting up and I was praying. I was praying for you. I was praying for my family. I was praying for the city of Aberdeen. But my spirit has been stirring the whole time. And even through the day, my spirit is praying, if that makes sense to any of you. My heart is worshipping even when my mouth isn't singing. It's constant. And and God is doing something incredible. So my message this morning is transformational power. And, you know, God wants to be pursued in this season. He wants us to actively pursue him. Transformational power means the power to take a situation or a circumstance and completely transform it. The power to radically change the form and function of something. We have been, um, all of our messages have been, in fact, I want to tell you this story first because I've just missed it on my my notes, so I I should tell you. But um, the power to, to radically change the form or function of something, about maybe a year ago, we were here at our midweek group and um, I was teaching at it and there was about 20 of us in the room and I'm doing this teach and everything is is fine we're having a good time and then I just gathered everyone together and I said let's pray so we all stood here together down the front and we began to pray and I said let's pray for God to move let's pray for miracles and um, so we prayed just for a couple of minutes in faith just for a couple of minutes we didn't go on any kind of half hour thing and in, in faith when we stopped praying after that couple of minutes I said has anybody does anyone feel like God has touched them five people put up their hands four of them had said that they felt God starting to work on health conditions that they had been diagnosed with but right at the back of the room of the, the, the people there was this one person and he was really moved by what God had just done and it was Les Kemp and he's not here, but he's allowed me to share this testimony with you. I called him forward, and he was clearly really moved by what God had done. And I said, Les, what has God done? And just in that moment, he, had, he was going deaf in one of his ears, and the doctors were about to put a hearing aid in. 
and God completely opened his ear. And he stood on the stage and he cried and he said, I don't need a hearing aid. God has opened my ear. And it was, it was God taking a situation and changing the form and the function of it. He opened up an ear and he completely changed a diagnosis from a doctor. So our messages, um, in this series have been based on this scripture and I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 16 to 18 and it says but whenever anyone turns to the Lord the veil is taken away now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is there is freedom and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the spirit so probably about two years ago maybe I was down at a conference with Cheryl and I was there with Cheryl and a couple of other girls from the church and we had a really good time we were down in Brighton it was a ladies conference and on our way back we're walking through the airport and I'm walking through the airport and I'm just looking at the shops I'm looking at everything around about me and I am just in my own world everybody else is kind of a bit ahead of me and I am just lagging behind I'm not in airports often for anybody else, you're probably in there quite often and it's just an airport. But for me, it's an it's a, it's a event. <laughs> so I'm walking through the airport and I'm just taking it all in as I'm walking. And then I'm standing there and I think something feels different. And I'm standing there thinking, something feels really different. So then what happened in the next couple of minutes just about finished me off. Because I looked at my hands... And in my hands, this had happened. My suitcase had fallen off its handle. And I looked at this handle in the middle of the airport. And I'm standing there and I'm thinking, this is pretty horrific and this could kill me just for like a few minutes. And I'm standing there and I'm thinking, okay, In this moment, I'm thinking, I don't want to turn around because if I turn around and I can't see my suitcase, this means that I have been walking like this for I don't know how long. And I knew that if I had been walking like this, there was a really high chance that I was all over YouTube. And I'm looking and I'm walking like this clearly for I don't know how long. I looked at the handle and I prayed a prayer and I said, God, help me right now in Jesus' name. And honestly, please do not let me be humiliated. I turned round and I looked for my suitcase and I couldn't see it. And I stood there and I thought, Jesus, in Jesus' name, make that suitcase appear because if you don't, I'm going to fall in a heap on the floor right now and I'm going to cry. As I focused, I could see that my suitcase wasn't that far away from me. Everybody else is walking on ahead. Cheryl and everybody else isn't even aware of what's happened. But I'm standing there. They're over here walking. I look at my suitcase, and I, for a minute, forgot I was in the airport. And I looked at the handle, and I looked at the suitcase, and I went, what? (laughs) And all these people are looking at me and walking around the suitcase. To which Cheryl turns around when I say, what? And she looks at me, and I went, at that point Cheryl almost fell over her suitcase laughing and I felt completely just like a total turnip so then I stood there and I thought right how is it 
that I have bought a suitcase and I am standing here completely detached from it? How is it that I have this suitcase that I paid money for and it's here to serve me a purpose and I am standing with a handle in my hand and over there is everything that I need but all that I have in my possession is the handle of a suitcase. And I stood there and I was really, really angry. And I did this walk of humiliation to my suitcase. And I'm looking at my suitcase and I'm thinking, this is embarrassing, it is humiliating, this is awful. And I took the walk of shame. And I went over, I looked back at Cheryl looking for some kind of sympathy and she's just bent double over her suitcase in stitches. And I pick up my suitcase, suitcase in one hand, handle in the other, and I walk out of the airport. In my head that whole time, the picture that I was getting was the man that I bought the suitcase from. And what I was seeing was this hurling towards him. I was seeing this going at the rate of about maybe 50 miles an hour, straight for him, closely followed by my suitcase, which weighed a lot. It had my clothes in it, it had my jewellery in it, it had my makeup, it had the things that I needed in it. And I paid for this thing, and I was detached from it. So I had great pleasure in seeing this thing hit that man. And, uh, but one thing that, that really, really annoyed me was the fact that I had something in my possession and I lost it or I was detached from it. And I don't know about you if you've ever lost anything. You've probably never lost a suitcase. No, that's just a one-off really, isn't it? I, um, if you've ever lost something, you have this determination to pursue that thing to get it back. I remember... Um, when Joshua lost my engagement ring. I know, I know. It was in the morning, Brian was at work. I looked at my finger and my engagement ring was gone and I thought, oh no. And I looked at Joshua and I had this, sorry Josh, I had this distant memory of putting the ring on his finger because he wanted to have it on his finger for some bizarre reason. And I put it on his finger and that's the last I saw of it and I remembered that very, very vaguely. And, um, So I started the hunt for my engagement ring and I'm going round the house and trying to find it and I could not find it and I hunted all day. And I had this determination from God that I was going to find that ring because I did not want to say to Brian, I've lost the engagement ring. So tea time came, Brian came in from work and I still haven't found my engagement ring. And we're sitting there and I'm quite distracted. I'm thinking, where have I put it? Where have I put it? I've looked everywhere in the house. I've been under the cushions. I've been under the sofa. I've been under the bed and I can't find it. And I'm in just trying to find this thing. Brian's sitting having his dinner. And I think he could tell that I was slightly distracted. And he said, honey, are you all right? And I said, no, not really. And he said, well, what is it? And I said, well, I've lost my engagement ring. To which Brian's face just completely changed. And he looked at me and he went, what? <laughs> and I said, well, I've lost my engagement ring. Would you like a cup of tea? <laughs> I didn't know what else to say, really. And uh, he said, no, Ruth, I don't want a cup of tea. I want to find the engagement ring. So the, it was getting dark. Night was coming. And we were out in the back garden with torches. That, that's what it had come to. We went through the bins. We went, took all the bags out. If you're a mum in here, you have had a moment of having to go through your bins, haven't you? Yes, you have. I know you have. I've, I've had to do it so many times. But we're there and we're going through these black bin liners. And it was disgusting. And we're going through all this stuff trying to find the engagement ring, couldn't find it, wasn't there, and I thought, right, okay, I took the torch, and I shone it into the bin, and right down at the bottom of the wheelie bin was my ring, 
And it was there and it was sparkling back at me. And I looked and I thought, how did that even happen? He was about half the size of the wheelie bin. And I do not know how he even reached up and got that ring in there. But that, that ring was there. We were filled with this determination from God to get that thing back. We were on pursuit for something that we needed. And um, what I love about the transformational power of God is that it has been entrusted to us. It has been given to us to cherish. For some Christians, there are Christians that don't even know that they have the transformational power of God within them. There are Christians who even question its ability. There are Christians that have once walked in the transformational power of God and somehow they have lost it. But that power of God is a power of God that God invested into your life. He invested his son for you to walk in that transformational power. He gave that thing to you. He invested his one and only child that you would have the transformational power of God. And so the power of God through you can literally change your world. It can change everything round about you if you will just believe that it can. If you will take the step of just stepping out and just walking in it. It will change your world and it will change the world of others round about you. And one thing that we must never ever do as Christians is we must never ever underestimate the power of God. The power of God is incredible. I remember, um, I remember when uh, my mum phoned me one night about five years ago, maybe a, maybe a bit longer than that, and they had a conference in Skye and this man was there. And this man said, I want you all to gather around. Now, in Skye, you don't really... Miracles weren't something that we had heard of before, really. I had not seen it. And uh, mum and dad were at this... Um, they were at this uh, meeting. And this man said, gather around. God is going to do something incredible in this room tonight. And one of mum's friends went forward. And she had something wrong with her spine. And her spine was slightly curved. And the man said, right, I want everybody to look at her spine and I want you to watch what the power of God is going to do. Now, this is no word of a lie, okay? This is not a made-up story at all. He prayed over this woman and mum said, you literally saw every section of her spine just come together and just realign down the middle of her back. After that, a woman had gone forward straight after her and she had what they call a tilted womb. And it meant that her womb was just sitting in the wrong place and, and you could see that it was in the wrong place. And he said, watch and see what God will do. And they watched the womb move and just slot back into place. Mum phoned me on the mor Monday morning and she was crying. And she said, Ruth, I've never seen anything like it. I just witnessed the power of God. I just saw God transform lives. And, and it just happened. And they didn't do anything different. They just pursued God and they stepped out in total faith. Um, transformational power. If you're a Christian here today, you know what the transformational power of God is because you're here and you're saved. Transformational power always happens on the other side of surrender. It always happens. It always manifests itself through a life that is completely surrendered. It always manifests its life, itself through a life that is in a relationship with God. And a relationship, you think about a relationship you have with your friends, your parents, your family, your husband, your wife, your sisters, your brothers. You talk to them on a regular basis. You're aware of them all the time. You're thinking about how they're feeling constantly. That is the kind of relationship that God expects from you. That one where you are aware all the time, God is, is with me. He is looking for a relationship. 
So transformation happens on the other side of surrender. And that's what he's looking for. I remember my first year in Aberdeen. I'm using the glass for those of you who don't know. I'm being ladylike this morning. Usually I knock it back with a bottle. I'm not knocking it back today. My first year in Aberdeen, um, I was in a meeting and I came down to Aberdeen really excited because I'd never really known like, the presence of God on a regular basis on, like, on a Sunday or anything. I wasn't sure how to do that whole lifestyle. And uh, my first um, year in Aberdeen, I went to this meeting and I had heard that there was this lady coming to Aberdeen and I wanted to go and hear her. I wanted to see uh, what she was like and uh, she was a prophet. And I went into this room and there was hundreds of people in the room and it was jam-packed and I sat at the back. And I sat there and I couldn't even, she was so short, I couldn't see her. And I was sitting there thinking, oh, this, well, I, shouldn't, I should have just stayed at home. She was down the front, and all I could see was this tuft of hair just moving back and forth. And I'm just looking like this, and I'm just kind of sitting, and I'm just listening, because there's no point in trying to see her. And um, she started to prophesy over people, and she was calling people up by name. And she was, like, she, you could, God was speaking through her. It was, it was obvious. And I sat there, and I thought, you know what, God, it would be really nice to hear from you, but I'm not really expecting anything. It's, it's fine if, you know, it doesn't happen. And I'm not, honestly, I'm not looking for a pity party or anything, God, you know. And, and I just sat there, and I was just listening to this woman. And then I looked up, and in between all of these hundreds of heads, there was this clear path between me and her, and she looked right at me, and she said, stand up. And I stood up, and she looked at me and she said the person that you see standing here you know standing here today you will not know her in one year's time and I looked at her and I was moved and and she said God is going to cause such a transformation within your life that one year from now you're going to look back and you're not going to remember the person that is standing here right now and she spoke about just what God was going to do the journey he was going to take me on the freedom that I was going to experience and I stood there and I sat down and I thought to myself, I was really moved. But then I thought to myself, God, how do you do that though? How do you blot a memory from somebody's life? How do you actually do that? How am I going to forget who I am? One year down that line and until today, I cannot even tell you who I used to be. I cannot even remember what it is like to live without God. He so transformed my life that I can't remember anything about my past really I remember some things but this is what God does God takes your life and he changes it so radically and he transforms it so amazingly that you look back and those things become a distant memory they become a testimony of what God has done in your life now but you don't live there anymore you don't go back to that anymore and so for you in your life today wherever you are at what what you're experiencing right now will become a distant memory if you decide to completely pursue the presence of God I love this um, you know I yeah okay let's turn to Ephesians chapter (laughs) 2 sorry okay they don't have this because it's a different translation but Ephesians chapter 2 1 to 10 and it says this and this sums up our lives and I love this scripture And it says, you were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, 
the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we, ought, we once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By, the gra- by grace you have been saved and raised up And raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Give God a round of applause right now if he has completely transformed your life. I love the line that says, but God. I love the line that says, you know, we were dead. We were in sin. We were walking with sons of disobedience, but God. I love that line because if you're saved this morning, you've had a but God experience. And I had a but God experience. That night, God spoke to me. That night, from that year on, God took me on a journey that was going to be my but God experience. God wants to radically transform your life. He wants to radically transform your life. I love that, uh, I love that by grace we've been saved. And, you know, God is a God of grace. And we, we, we are here, we stand here and we do life and you know what God's grace is so much with us because really we don't really deserve to be living in the blessing that we live in we're really blessed that by the grace of God we worship and he turns up we're really blessed that God puts somebody like OJ into our church he stands up here and sings the guitar sings the guitar and heaven opens Anna you know the worship team the preachers the ministries you know, the team that come in in a morning and set up tea and coffee. How blessed are we that people serve? God is amazing. Your life is the transformational power of God. You were once dead to sin and you were a slave to the course the world is taking. But God, being rich in mercy, made us alive. By grace we are saved. Walk in it, his transforming power has made you free and and so there is a a requirement from heaven that you walk in the transformation of the power of God so that others can be free too I am I one thing that I've been aware of the whole time that I've ministered in this church and I God has done so much in my life but one thing that makes me really aware of ministry is that when you realize that your purpose isn't about you then God can move through you in transformational power. I have, I, I, you know, when, I, when we get up here, when we do these things, it's not about, look at me. It's not about, oh, how cool do I look? How great do I sound? It's not about that. It's about the transformational power of God. And so when I was preparing this message, I um, wanted to uh, share, I, I wanted to find a miracle in the Bible. I, I said to Brian, I want to f- find a really good story. I want to just hit them between the eyes with this miracle and this revelation and all this kind of thing. And I'm there and I'm like, Brian, what do you think? What sort of stories? You know, help me out here a bit. And he looked at me and he went, well, Jesus turned water into wine. And I looked and I thought, yeah, he did. 
But that's not the story I was looking for, because I was looking for somebody like being raised from the dead or something. But then God began to speak, and I want to take you to that story this morning. If you turn with me to Mark 16, verse 15 to 18. No, it's not there. It's John 2. John 2, chapter 1 to 12. And it says, On the third day there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. Jesus said to her, Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Whatever he says to you, do it. I like that, because Jesus said, Why are you asking me to help? And it doesn't say that she replied to Jesus. It said, as the mother he said, she said to the disciples, just do what he says. And she wasn't going to have the conversation. The, the water needed to be changed. So then it says, Now there were set there six water pots of stone, according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing 20 to 30 gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, Fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, Draw some out now and take them to the master of the feast. And they took it. Then the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it had come from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew. The master of the feast called the bridegroom. And he said to them, Every man at the beginning sets out the good wine. And when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior. You have kept the good wine until now. This beginning of signs, this was the beginning of the signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. After this, they went, up to, they went down to Capernaum, he, his mother, his brothers and his disciples, and they did not stay there many days. Now, weddings, Jewish weddings were always steeped in tradition, okay? So when somebody got married, um, there were things that they did. There were things that had to be done. And one of the customs was that when somebody got married in a Jewish wedding, they had to put on this massive feast. It had to be extravagant. There had to be plenty of good food and good wine. And so um, for them to run out of wine was total humiliation for the bride and groom. This was a panic. And um, we've just been to a wedding. There was no panics. But it was an amazing day. And uh, there was their panics. Oh, yeah, okay, okay, there was panics. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so uh, moving on. So, um, but yeah, so it was a, a humiliation and it was a complete panic and they needed to get the wine. And, and what I love was that Jesus gave them the best quality and he gave them the abundance of it. Now, he did, and, but what, what I actually really love about this story, right, is that this whole thing was not a life or death situation. Nobody was dying. It was Jesus' first miracle. He could have done something really radical. But he took water and he turned it into wine. And what it tells me is that God cares about the little details of your life. He cares about the everyday things. Weddings were a common event. They happened on a regular basis. This wasn't a one-off story of a disease or someone dying. This was a regular event. And what Jesus said when he did this was, I care about the finest little things that make your life really beautiful and really enjoyable. God cares about your everyday. 
He cares about the little things. He cares about the bills. He cares about the food in the cupboards. He cares about your kids going to school. He cares about your kids, you know, and he cares about you being dressed well. He cares about everything. Little things. God really cares about them. So there are some things from this story that I want to share with you. I am running out of time. I'm going to go through this quite quickly. Um, But there are some things that God wants us to do. And it's the heart of God in order for us to pursue transformational power. In order for us to walk in transformational power, there are things that God desires from his heart that we do. And here is the first thing. We need to raise our level of expectancy. In this series right now, we're talking about the freedom of the Holy Spirit. God wants you to raise your level of expectancy. The very thing that you just live with, raise the level of expectancy on that thing. Believe that God can transform that thing. Believe that God can carry your family out of that situation. Believe these things. Believe these things. Don't don't brush them under the carpet and think, oh, well, we'll just live with it. God wants to transform it. I remember taking my children to school one morning and, and... we're walking along this path and there's this hedge beside me and it is laden with red berries and I'm looking and we're just walking looked at this hedge and the Holy Spirit said Ruth look at the feast I put on for the birds of the air and I stood there and I thought wow and it was full of berries how much more important are you if God will put on a feast for the birds of the air and the animals that walk the earth How much more important are you that God wants you to live in the abundance of everything that he has for you through his transformational power? Romans chapter 5 verse 5 says this about raising your expectancy. It's the message translation and it says in alert expectancy such as this. We're never left feeling shortchanged. Quite the contrary, we can't round up enough containers to hold everything God generously pours into our lives through his Holy Spirit. Is that not beautiful? God is amazing. He will show himself faithful. I want to encourage you this morning, if you have a situation that you need God to transform, pursue him. I guarantee you he'll transform that for you. The second thing we need to do is we need to understand our value in everyday life. I am... I have a lot of friends in Kingswells. I have, I, I know heaps and heaps of mums. And um, I, they know that I go to church. They know I'm a Christian. They know I love God. I don't hide it under a carpet. They completely respect that thing, that whole thing that I, I love God with all of my heart. But, um, you know, and, oh, you've put me off. <laughs> okay, so we need to understand our everyday value in life. Yeah. Um, oh, you totally put me off. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> yes. So, all my friends, yes. Now, I'm not speaking about going out on a, a big evangelistic ministry mission. I'm speaking about the neighbour in your street who's never heard the gospel. I'm speaking about the friend that you see that needs to hear the word of God. That's what I'm speaking about because that's where it starts. Matthew chapter 5 verse 16 says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. I have one desire when it comes to my friends. I want them saved, if you're listening. I want them saved and I want them in the church. They know that. They know that. They look at me and they laugh a bit, but they know that. I want them to be here. 
I want them to be advancing the kingdom of God. And so I wouldn't hide it. I wouldn't dim my light. I want to encourage you this morning. Your value in everyday life amongst your friends is so important. It is so important. That is where church is. Okay, so we need to relentlessly pursue him. That's my last thing. Can I have keys? I am over time. But he does want to be pursued by you. He wants to be pursued by you and he wants you to find him. The thing is that when you pursue God, he meets you. Deuteronomy 4.29 says, But from there you will seek the Lord your God and you will find him if you seek him with all of your heart and with all of your soul. God wants to be pursued by you. I remember um, when that happened, when that lady prophesied over me in that meeting and she said, Ruth, you won't know yourself in a year's time. And I remember walking down Union Street and I was just right in the middle of this season of God transforming my life. I'm walking down the street and I said to God, I said, God, I feel different. I feel different from everybody else. I'm not the same as other people. And God said to me really clearly that scripture that says we are not of this earth we're just passing through we're not actually off this planet we're just here to do a job and then we go home you know God wants to be pursued. And the road, like that t-shirt says that Hillsongs have made, it says the road leads home and the road does lead home. And we're just here. We're just on a journey. Stand up with me. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website, www.junctionchurch.com. God bless.